Amen. Okay, who got stuck this year? Anybody? Who, who's been stuck, period, in the snow? There we go. Come on, let's commiserate together. Who's helped somebody get unstuck? Yes, it happens regularly. This, this uh, winter was, for me, the worst winter for the Schultz family. I say the Schultz family. I said that this morning at a pre-service meeting, and my lovely daughter who was there said, well, actually, it was really just dad. <laughs> Which is mostly true. They all had to help me a couple of times. But yes, three times, or at least was significantly stuck in the snow this year. The last time for me was in April, which you should not get stuck in the snow in April, ever, because there shouldn't be that much snow in April. It just should not happen. It was late in the season, and it was not a lot. Most of the snow was all gone. Actually, I was driving home. The gravel at parts of the road are very clear, but it was that late snow that when it was blowing, it, it's warm enough that it literally melts on the road into drifts of slush. So just go straight ahead, going down the road, actually not going that fast because I'm a little concerned. But once I hit that slush, it was just because I didn't slow down enough, it was instant hydroplane. So you can't stop in that case. You're just, wherever I stop, I stop. Or if I hit traction and it didn't, lead me on the road. It led me off the road into a ditch of slush, which is really hard to get out of. And I was like, I am done digging myself out, called the tow truck. And I was pretty much like vacuum sealed into the ditch. The tow truck came, put his little brace thing down in the back to lift his back wheels up, pulled the cable, and I watched the tow truck inch towards my car four times, digging in a big drift of gravel by the time he finally loosened me and got me. I thought he's going to pull himself into the ditch attached to my car. We're needing to get one of those big semi-truck things to pull us out. We got out eventually. I will tell you that I've been stuck in life more times than I've been stuck in the snow. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. He restores my soul is right out of Psalm 23. We're going verse by verse and phrase by phrase through Psalm 23, today is verse 3 in its entirety. And I want to read you a few translations of Psalm 23 and how it's connected. Uh, we'll share, I'll share with you how it's connected to getting unstuck. Psalm 23, verse 3 in the Christian Standard Bible, which is the translation I read regularly right now. I like to switch my translations every couple of years. So some people are one translation for life, guys. That would be Pastor Tom. I'm a one translation every six or seven years. I get a new Bible and a new translation because I like to see the difference in nuance. And uh, so that's, I'm in the Christian Standard Bible right now. Ask me in three years, I'll be in something else. It says this, he renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Here's the Amplified Bible, which gives usually, if there's a word that has multiple definitions, it usually includes several of them. So here's some added Amplified Bible says, He refreshes and restores my soul, in parentheses, life. It can have two meanings. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. The message, which is uh, more like a transliteration or a paraphrase, is done by one pastor. He started this translation, teaching it to his Sunday school class to try to help make the text come alive for his 
local church, and then he decided to finish the whole Bible because he also was a Greek and Hebrew scholar, says this, true to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Catches the poetic sense of Psalm 23. The Christian uh, English Bible, which is another updated version, says he keeps me alive. Uh, as you see, there's, a, there's an application of that that actually is very fitting. He guides me in the proper paths for the sake of his good name. And then the New King James, which we've been reciting regularly, and I've been preaching out of, we both, Tom and I have both been preaching out of, says, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So this verse in Psalm 23, verses 1 and 2, is really starts, it's called the shepherd's psalm because it's a shepherd and a sheep metaphor which is carries throughout the psalm. But in this verse, actually, the metaphor starts to fade away a little bit, right? He restores my soul isn't talking about sheep anymore. It's talking about us. It's a little more direct connection about what Jesus, I'm contending Jesus is the good shepherd because Jesus contended that he is the good shepherd in John chapter 10, but that Jesus does for us in a more direct connection sort of directly speaking to how God acts as our shepherd in verse 3. However, throughout the rest of this chapter of the Bible, which is super well known, you'll notice that even though there's a direct, more direct, pointed towards people relating to God, there's also throughout the rest connections of the idea of what it's like to be a shepherd and a sheep and how God relates to us in those ways. So here's... uh, Three different ways that my shepherd, and I'm going to get personal because I hope you'll make this psalm personal, that my shepherd relates to me. He restores my soul, and that's very basic. It's the title this morning, but here's what my shepherd does is he restores my soul. He restores my soul when it needs restoring. Now, if God is a shepherd and Jesus is a good shepherd, why do we even need that, you might ask? Can't he take care of my soul and not have it get in a place where it needs to get restored? Don't we get our, as I mentioned last week, our full significance in Christ? Aren't we completely secure in Christ? Aren't we fully accepted in Christ? Isn't that what our soul needs? Why do we need to get restored? What happens to cause it to need restoring? Well, I think this is where there's a connection with a shepherd's life working with sheep. In life, we tend, as people, not to live right in the middle of what is completely true about us once we're in Christ. And even though I am fully significant and I am totally secure and absolutely accepted, I may not be experiencing at a soul level those truths. It's sort of like what a sheep does in a flock. On occasion, the sheep decides to go over there, even though the flock is following the shepherd over here, and finds itself in not as good of a pasture, maybe not as safe of a place, and not being as cared for by the shepherd due to their, his choices or her choices, as they might otherwise benefit from. Psalm 42 is also a psalm that I think can add some light onto why 
a sheep might need to be restored and why our souls need to be restored. Psalm 42 says this, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And later on, O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Have you felt that before? Has that been like, this describes my life? Psalms, if you will read through it regularly, you will find at different points in your life that certain things that are expressed there are right where you live. I've been in this place more than once. Actually, that word cast down, one of them is, uh, it's a Hebrew word, shachach. That's fun to say, isn't it? It's kind of like khaki, except you get to say the k at the beginning and the end. Shachach, like clearing your throat. <clears throat> I'm ready. Got a little congestion. Shachach, get it from way down there. It can be translated dejected, depressed, downcast, bowed down, bring down, bend down. The key understanding is down, 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 down. You got it? Sheep get down. And that, phrase, that word cast, which you might be aware of, when a, when a sheep is cast, a cast sheep will be a dead sheep in 24 hours in most situations. What a cast sheep is, as you might know, is a cast sheep is a sheep that might lie down, and that's actually good to rest at times, but a cast sheep will get up the wrong way, might roll over a little bit farther back than they intended, and end up going all the way over on their back, and they are stuck on their backs, and they panic. It actually makes things worse. They start trying to get themselves righted. You know, obviously, once in a while, they'll get it and they'll get over. But when they're cast and really stuck, they'll keep going. They might bleat a little bit. But if they don't have a shepherd to help get them back on their feet, they die. 24 hours, typically. If, especially if it's the sun, if it was a cloudy, rainy day, that would keep them cool. They might last a couple of days typically, from what I understand. And here's a few reasons why they get cast. Sometimes it's because they just chose a poor spot to rest. It wasn't really like they're being dumb. I mean, in the sense that they're choosing to be foolish or straight away. They just, they, they laid down in a spot that's a little too flat or maybe concave, and so when they rolled, gravity works against them and not for them. It would be better for them to be on a hill even a slight incline, because if they go that way, gravity actually helps roll them back the other way. They just, they just chose a bad spot. Sometimes they get cast because they have too much wool. And because they have too much wool, other things get stuck in it. Mud, feces, dirt, sticks, all kinds of things. And when that wool, as they lean over too far, they can't overcome the weight of it, and they're stuck. They need to get shorn clean. Sometimes they're just overfed. A shepherd knows that his most overweight sheep are the most prone to get stuck on their backs. They, they, he wants them to be robust and healthy, but it's sort of like, you know, the sweet spot, right? A robust, healthy, well-fed sheep, but not overfed. That's eating too much grain, maybe a modern-day shepherd, something like that. Here are reasons that we get stuck. Some of them relate to the reasons sheep get stuck. Sometimes we just get careless. 
Not necessarily like foolish, I'm making dumb choices, but we're just not careful. I can get that way. Mentally, I can get myself stuck in anxiety pretty quick. I have a, a pretty quick like anxiety spiral. That one little thing can sort of get me thinking and concerned and worked up, kind of like a sheep on its back, flailing around, even though maybe if I'd be a little more careful, I might not end up there. We can, just, we can also be foolish, which is more like foolish in the sense I made a poor choice and I sort of knew it was not smart, but I did it anyways. We can do that. We can have too much wool. Now, I want to tell you what wool in the Bible represents. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, priests were not allowed to wear wool close to their skin because, it, have you ever worn wool on your skin? Kind of irritating. And it'll make you sweat real fast. And sweat represents the curse and sin. Wool actually has a connection to sin and the curse. And that's why the priests wouldn't wear it next to their skin. Wool is sort of like representative, we can have too much of this, of too much of self. Not just like selfish as in get it for myself, but selfly or self-fleshly might be a way to say it in the Bible. That's another picture that we have too much self. We need to be shorn. When a, when a sheep that's way too much wool gets shorn clean, they don't like it, actually. They're very uncomfortable, usually getting shorn, apparently. Sometimes they get nicked because they aren't sitting still long enough. You might get nicked if you decide to let God clean up parts of your life that are more selfly. But in the end, it feels, you watch the sheep, you could probably go watch some videos on YouTube, and you could watch them run and jump off because they're free from all that weight. It reminds me of Hebrews where it says to throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. The sheep's not tangled up in that anymore, and it's free, not stuck, not prone to get stuck. Lastly, sometimes we just get lazy. This is kind of like the overfed sheep. You know what? We're just, we're just really content to enjoy and dive into being comfortable. And sheep actually are intended to move. They, they, they need rest like everybody else, but they're intended to, to continually be on the move. And a shepherd notes that healthy sheep will be healthiest if they're moving regularly, not staying too comfortable for too long. We can get stuck if we're too comfortable for too long. Sometimes we can get over-focused on what we can accumulate, but makes us feel secure. What makes you feel secure? Sometimes I'll just open my phone up and look at my different times of life, different times when finance markets are doing right. And, and sometimes I like looking at how my retirement looks, and other times I don't. And you get a sense of security at certain times, and you get a sense of insecurity at other times, right? Am I saving enough? Am I going to be able to take care of myself, my kids, my family later on in life? Bank account, checking account, maybe it's how your vehicles are doing, maybe it's your property, maybe you really just lean into what makes you feel comfort or pleasure. What's bad about the reasons we get stuck is when we figure out that we're stuck, sometimes our response to that actually exacerbates the problem. Because 
we know we are partly responsible and we can start a shame cycle of beating ourselves up, shaming ourselves for, I know better than this. How did I get here? I, I, I shouldn't have done that. Why did I make that choice? And actually, that's really the work of the enemy, wanting us not just to feel guilt over making a bad choice, but to feel like we are bad, not that we did something bad. The enemy would love for you to feel like you are bad. That's kind of like us kicking around, panicking, kicking, and then eventually suffocating. Like I said, they die within 24 hours if they don't get help. We can get overfed, we can be careless, we can be foolish, we can make unwise choices, we can lay down in a hollow, and for whatever reason, we end up stuck in life. Here's what I hope you will walk away with today. No matter the reason you get stuck, whether by carelessness or foolishness, laziness or selfishness, it is God's joy to rescue you, to renew you, to renew your life, and to restore your soul. He loves to get you back on your feet. Rub your legs so that the circulation can start working again and usher you off to go thrive in the pasture that he's leading you and the rest of his flock to. That is your shepherd and my shepherd's heart. He's not upset. Uh, I, we were reading a book um, I think it was up on one of those slides uh, called A Shepherd Looks at the Shepherd's Psalm in Preparation Series, written by a, a pastor who was also a shepherd for eight years in East Africa. And he would say when he gets up in the morning, one of the first things he would do because he cares about his flock and it was always on his mind, he would get up and he would look at the sky. And if he would see anything circling, he would know where he needs to go. Probably a sheep and that vulture was just waiting for it to stop struggling. And he would hurry out there and lovingly, you little rascal, why are you doing this? Why did you lay down here? You need to get shorn. Whatever the problem was, get it back on its feet. Maybe hold it between his legs, rub it, and just delight to see it go out off into the flock. Guys, that is our God's heart. It doesn't matter why you get stuck. He wants you to get unstuck. And he wants to be the one that helps to restore your soul. How does it feel to get stuck? There's a lot of different ways it might feel. Here's one of the ways I think it feels. This is from one of my favorite books uh, from the Lord of the Rings. Bilbo Baggins says to his mentor and friend Gandalf, he says, this is how I feel. I feel thin, sort of stretched. Love this image. Like butter scraped over too much bread. Too much bread. Not enough butter. Just stretched thin. Sort of like empty. Getting empty or close to empty. <clears throat> I'm a, I, um, I, I have a prayer that I'd love for you to join me in. Um, I am going to be starting sabbatical tomorrow. By the way, I'll just say this. We have invited, this is just an aside, um, a bunch of our sort of native sons to come back and share messages this summer. 
So in June and July, um, people, men who've been pastors here, who have been pastors and who have been involved but are now pastors are going to come back. A few other friends, um, Paul and Bob, um, Jeff Gruen, Mark Bowen's coming back. Um, Eric Berglund is not able to come back. Um, John Shelkoff and others. So you'll, you'll get to see some of them and hear from them this summer, especially in June and July. Um, but one of my goals for my sabbatical, actually I'd say my main goal, is that Jesus would more fully become my source of satisfaction, life, and enjoyment. So if you don't know what to pray for me while I'm on sabbatical, you can just pray that. Jesus, would you be Patrick's satisfaction, his source of life, and his source of enjoyment? Um, To be restored of soul, I think, is more fully finding for people, really finding my security in Jesus, my significance in Jesus, and my acceptance in Jesus, and really sinking down into that, not just like up here, yeah, you guys are like, yeah, that's true, right? But that doesn't mean it's true in here. Sometimes you need more. That's my prayer. I know that when that's true of me, I'm a different sort of man. And my prayer is that I'll be a different and better husband because that's more true of me. I pray that I'll be a different and better father because that's true of me. And if those are true of me, then I know that I'll be a different and better friend and brother and pastor because I'm more satisfied in Jesus. I know that I get to feeling like Bilbo when I'm less satisfied in Jesus. I've been around long enough to know that that's part of the reason why. Here's another way of saying what my prayer is for the next couple of months. It's that I pray that I can relax into being a sheep in God's flock who's cared for and watched over by my good shepherd. Verse 2 Verse 3, the second part of verse 3 says this. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Here's the second truth. My shepherd actively leads me. He actively leads. It's active. He's actually leading me specifically. He's actually leading you specifically into the best paths of life. He actually knows, like every good shepherd knows, where the best pasture is. And the next place that his flock should go to flourish in life. As I said before, sheep need to keep moving to stay healthy. But guess what they are prone to do? Not move. (laughs) They're prone to stay in the same chunk of pasture, overgraze it, uh, well fertilize it which also means there's more parasites there, which means eventually they begin to get sick, nematodes and other parasites, unless somebody helps them find a better pasture. You and I can be like that too. They end up being sick, lethargic, malnourished, unless the shepherd says, okay, let's move. Next flock, next pasture over, next place over. Jesus says this, Over and over in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he says, follow me. Sort of sounds like a shepherd. Come on, sheep, follow me. I'll show you where you can get healthy. In John 10, 27, where Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd, he says, my sheep know my voice. I know them, 
and they follow me. A side note you probably have heard before is that sheep don't follow just anyone. They're actually afraid of strangers, strange creatures, strange beings, strange rocks, strange sticks, strange garbage, anything will freak them out. But they know their shepherd's voice. And when he calls, they come. He's safe. And I just want to put this challenge out here. If you are experiencing feeling like, I wish I knew how Jesus would lead me, sometimes what we need is we need to get more in touch with our shepherd more regularly so we can recognize his voice and respond when he speaks. Isaiah 53.6 is another problem with with not being led by the shepherd, is we have this tendency, Isaiah 53, 6 says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Sometimes sheep just want to go where they want to go. Sometimes we want to go where we want to go. Either on accident, just nibbling along in this pasture and ending up over the side of the where I can't hear the sheep anymore, or on purpose. Sometimes sheep are stubborn. They just, they just don't want to follow. Even though this over here is a better pasture and that's kind of like dried up weeds, no, I don't want to follow you, shepherd. We can do like that a little bit too. I want to say this again. No matter the reason you get stuck, whether it's stubbornness or inattention, whether it's irresponsibility or just getting lost, it is God's joy to rescue you, to renew your life, to restore your soul, and to lead you into his paths in life. We have a good shepherd who will lead us in the best paths in life. We live on a small acreage on the edge of uh, about three or four miles past where the Dunhams live, um, outside of town. And when we were looking for that house, a house where we could have a little bit of acreage, it was really hard, just like it's hard now if you're looking, to find a spot. So we spent weeks, months, I did, kind of checking things out. And uh, we found a number of places that I wanted to make work. Typically, it was me who wanted to make it work because I don't like shopping them for anything. So, like, let's just get this over with. And there might be this hesitation about the house or the property. Usually, it was my wife who brought... Actually, it was always my wife who brought concerns up because she has that kind of uh, wisdom, and I can get a little impatient. Well, we found this one place, and it was on for sale by owner. We drove by it. It kind of like the description, like, okay, let's call and take a look at this place. We call right away, and... The owner's like, actually, we got a purchase agreement. Sorry. I'm like, okay, this has happened before. We weren't devastated. We thought this could really work well and uh, went on with life. Uh, Again, I'm glad I didn't make any of those other things work, although it was very impatient. That was May. In July, keeping on my search, and the same house pops up, so I call on it right away, and it's the house we live in, um, and the purchase agreement had fallen through, and the owner was like, kind of frustrated, actually, that that had happened because she had plans to leave and move to wherever she was moving next. And, you know, this place probably had a lot of extra little things that were nice but weren't on the must 
in order for us to consider. And I'm really glad I didn't try to make one of those other places happen. Just a little thing. Actually, a house is, it feels like a big thing to us. It really isn't that big. You guys all know that, right? It's really just a little thing. But it was nice. It was kind. It was generous. And I'm really glad right now we live where we live because we have a little bit of space. We have a few acres. It was, you know, that previous owner had like asparagus that grows every year on its own, grapevine and raspberries and all that stuff that would have been fun to have but takes like years and years to develop. And we're 15 minutes from Walmart. It's beautiful. 11 minutes from Choice. I can stop by on my way home and swim, see some of you there sometimes. Just a gift. Jesus is the good shepherd. He leads us in all areas of life. Little things, really, a house is just a little thing, but big things too. And he does it for his namesake, which is what the last part of the verse says. My shepherd puts his name on his care for me. Like his reputation. You know, some, some of you have jobs where you have to sign off on things, and if you sign off on it, and it goes south, it matters. There are ramifications. I have a friend who's a civil engineer in the cities, and his, he's a kind of far up in the company, uh, overseeing a ginormous part of the 94, 35. You'll love it, by the way, over the next three years when you go there. Just, uh, but he has to sign off on stuff that matter. If it, and God signs off on his care for us. He puts his reputation on the line. Actually, every shepherd does. You can tell how good a shepherd is by just looking at the flock. Now, I'm not, I'm not a stockman, so I don't know anything about sheep or beef, but my guess, if they're really sickly looking and not happy, I would know, eh, they're probably not getting such good care over in that ranch versus one that looks, they look happy and healthy and jumping around. Jesus said this. He said, I am the way. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. He actually put his own name on the path. I am the way, he said in John 14. I am the truth. I am the life. You will be able to hear the shepherd's voice the more you get to know him. And over time, what you and I can do is we can grow to trust him calling us to follow him even though we're not quite so sure if the pasture in life that he's calling us to is as good as the one we're in right now or the path to the next pasture, which may not be all, might have to go through some desert in order to get to this next part of life. It's going to be really good for you and me. But over time, we can trust that he will restore us if we get stuck He will lead us very well, and he will do it all with his name on it. That his care for you has his name on it. Today, you might be stuck in sadness. You might be stuck in unforgiveness. You might be stuck in apathy. You might be stuck in fear. You might be stuck in self-sufficiency. I've been stuck in that regularly. You might be stuck in confusion about what to do, some big decisions coming your way. You might be stuck in an addiction. You might be stuck in a crazy cycle with your spouse or some other relationship. No matter the reason you get stuck, 
Don't forget this. It is God's joy to rescue you, to renew your life, to restore your soul, and to lead you for his name's sake. We're going to close in prayer by saying this psalm out loud. Band, you can come on up here if you would. We're going to sing a closing song, Blessed Be Your Name, which really is a declaration of worship to God. Circumstances are. But let's stand. If you would stand with me. And we'll recite Psalm 23 together. Okay, here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Lord, thanks that you are the good shepherd. Thanks that you take really, really good care of your sheep. Thanks that it's your joy, it's your delight to rescue us when we're stuck to get us back on our feet, to restore our souls, to get us into full health. Think that, thanks that that heart never changes, even when we're the ones, we're the reason, we're the cause of getting stuck. You're still ready to rescue us if we'll let you. I pray this morning, God, that we would experience your joy and delight to rescue us and restore our souls. In your name I pray.